Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's D.A. on CBS Sports Radio. D.A., how you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy Friday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. That's all that really matters. Coming your way in 20 minutes, the saga of the A's to Vegas takes another turn. And in 40 minutes, it's Target Demo Friday. But standing by, he's the voice of the Eastern Conference Finals for the NBA on TNT, where the Heat got game one in Boston after another Herculean effort from Jimmy Butler joining us this morning on the show. Our friend, Kevin Harlan. Kevin, good morning. Hey, D.A., good to be on with you, pal. Great to hear your voice, and thanks for uh, thanks for a chance to visit. Same with you, Kev. And you've seen a lot of great basketball players over the years how would you describe what we are seeing and what we saw and what you called in game one from Jimmy Butler? He's been phenomenal, hadn't he? I mean, it, the game is always better when you have that kind of performance, clearly. But when it's, it becomes kind of the driving force in a big game, it gets like so, so enormous and so massive that you just, it just carries itself. And the building was stunned. But, but should we? Like, this guy has done this in the Milwaukee series. We called the 56-point game in Miami where he just could not miss and gets in that zone. And the swagger and the confidence that he gives his teammates is off the chart. It, it's so palpable when he begins to get going and the team responds and follows in kind. It, it really is fun to see. We saw a little bit with Harden. We did the Philly-Boston series, and Harden won two games with two spectacular 40-point performances, had big shots late in game, win a couple of them. And, and when a guy like that gets going, a Harden, a Butler, both, by the way, 33 years old, both you know 12-year veterans, um, it really, you feel like you're seeing something special. And that's the way it was the other night with Butler. Jimmy Butler had a four all-star game appearances before he ever got to Miami. So he was a really good player, but it feels like since he's gotten to Miami, he's taken his game to a different level. What do you think it is about the heat that's helped him click into a different elevation? Perfect match, culture, coach, and player. Like not that he wasn't, you know, set in Chicago or Minnesota or in Philly, but when he chose Miami as a free agent, after what looked like a pretty good marriage in Philadelphia, um, uh, it, it, it was just it was it was the right time in his career, at the right stage for where he was, and exactly what the Heat needed. Like he epitomizes 
what the Heat is all about. Their culture, we talk about, um, he is gritty. He is tough-minded. He's the hardest worker in the room. He is not afraid of the big moment. He's a willing distributor and facilitator. Uh, he's there to lead. Like, he, he checks every box that a player that is in the sights of Riley and Spolstra should have. And he is the perfect Heat player. And he fits into that culture and organization so well. Uh, and there's always a little bit of tension, as, as you want to have, within a team and, and, you know, on the bench and during a season because that tension, I think, gets the most out of other guys. Actually, I think Boston could use a little bit of that right now. I think Boston needs a little bit of that grit, and they need somebody like a Kevin Garnett. And that is, you know, take a guy by the shirt sleeve or by the collar and say, listen, when when the play calls for you to be there, by God, you better be there. And if you're not going to set a screen, it's like you need a guy that is forced. Hmm. I think that they're looking for that in Boston right now. Hmm. Kevin Harlan joins us for the NBA on TNT. He's calling the Eastern Conference Finals for them. And having worked in Boston, I know that Boston fans are their own living, breathing organism when it comes to the atmosphere <laughs> of the games. You're so right. What What was it like in that building as the Celtics fans were recognizing, oh, God, the Jimmy Butler thing is happening in the fourth quarter? Well, they've seen this before in a game one here. Um, they, they have been witness to some pretty good, you know, series uh, hosting opening losses. And, and that, that is something that they're going to have to figure out. Their home record in the playoffs is not good. And Philadelphia came in here game one and beat them. And Harden was, uh, was there. Remember, no, there was no Embiid. And so Harden had to lead him, and he was phenomenal. Just like lights out, like Butler was in game one. So, you know, clearly when a road team comes in and wins the first game of a series, series is now tilted. It's changed. Home court's gone, at least momentarily. And, and, and that's what Boston's got to live with right now. So it's like they're kind of making it more difficult on themselves. In the second half of that first game a couple nights ago, Tatum didn't touch the ball much in the second half. When he did, he turned it over. Um, and, and it's not like he's got, you know, like, uh, uh-oh, uh, that kind of look on his face or his eyes get wide and says, what's going on? It's, it's, it's you know, he's, he's come back from those moments and been phenomenal. He had a shooting slump in the first uh, series. Or in, the, or in the second round series against Philly for a bit, came out of it, we know, in game six, facing elimination, and set a record with 51, uh, an all-time playoff record in game seven. So it's not like he's a first the moment. It was just one of those nights where the confidence was building with Miami. They were in the right place. They defended well. They uh, forced the turnovers, like I said. And, and Boston has to throw up threes. Damon, they have got to throw up. They got to shoot 40, 43s or more a game. That's when they're at their best. And they put up, what, 26, 27 the other night. They, they can't win that way. Joe Missoula got kind of testy after this game. And I know he's under a lot of scrutiny in Boston. It's a tough place to coach. It's year number one. But I wondered if that was evidence that maybe this is getting a little bit to him, the pressure and the criticism. What would you make of, of that exchange with the reporters after game one? Well, the lights are bright here, there's no doubt, and it's as big a stage as any individual team faces in 
the league, the 17 banners are always above you, literally and, and, and figuratively. And so that that is something that every coach here lives with. And uh, he's 34. And remember, he was not, at this time last year, he wasn't even in the first row. He was in the second row, mm. right? Like he was, he was 33 a year ago at this time, and he was in the back row of the two rows of coaches courtside. Uh, and then Yudoka has the issues, and they let him you know, go to a different category. He's suspended, and they got to find somebody. And training camp is starting, and who are we going to get? Who knows what we're trying to do? And they went with Joe Mazula. And, and I, at the time, I thought it was a good choice, and I still think it's a good choice. He's 34. He's got guys in the team that are about his age, and he's got one guy in the team that's older than him by two years, right? I mean, so I mean, like, like this is this is weird territory for everybody. Here's a team that was in the finals a year ago that had the coach everybody was talking about, who then gets in trouble off the floor, who they suspend, and now camp is beginning. And every you know coach that you'd probably look at, uh, you know, with a long off season is clearly taken, and and no one that really you think can come in and adapt to what you're trying to do. And Stevens made the call, kind of like Riley made the call, you know, 15 years ago, hiring a little-known assistant named Eric Spolster in Miami. Not a lot of difference there. Brad Stevens is a pretty good judge of, of, of man, player, talent, all of it, right? And, and he thought that Joe was the guy, and, uh, and it's, they won 57 games. They navigated a long season. They were the number one team in the Eastern Conference for a good part of the year, from November through February. Um, and, and they had the regular ups and downs, but they, they, they were one less win than the number one team overall, Milwaukee. So it was a successful year, and they found a new way to play with, with more three-point shooting. His message is clear, you know, but it's a player's league. And, you know, someone will tell you and I, hey, you've got 10 seconds, then you've got to sign off, and we do it because that's the way it is. And the NBA said, we're going to play tough man-to-man defense and you've got to tramp every time this guy gets the ball. I mean, you can say it into your blue in the face, and if they're not going to, if they don't do it, that's on that's on them. And so I don't think it's a message or lack of depth or, or feel or anything like that. I know people get on them, uh, da about the lack of timeouts. But listen, this is a this is a coach who has done the same thing all season long. He has made his team at their urging and on the same level. Uh, you know, work through these troughs during games. Figure out what's wrong as they're playing. They've done that all year long. Sometimes they'll give them a glance and say, we need a blow, and they, they call the timeout. And he's very in tune with these guys. There's great communication. So I, I really think, I think it's more on the players and someone stepping up and, and being that Garnett and taking it by the shirt collar and says, listen, you blah, blah, you've – do it, and, 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 and don't sit there and roll your eyes, and, 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 and don't be lackadaisical. Get there with efficiency and urgency. And I just don't know that that voice is in this locker room right now. Mm. Celtics need that desperately. Tonight is game number two in Boston, Heat and Celtics, 8.30 Eastern tip on TNT, and Kevin Harlan's going to have the call of the entire series. Well, for those that thought this was going to be the Celtics breezing through to another NBA Finals, game one proved that that is far from the case, huh? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Miami is a uh, – they have four rotational players that are undrafted. Um, you know, Butler's 33. Adebayo is thought of more of a defensive guy than offensive guy. Uh, they're without their third-leading scorer, Tyler Hero. 
They miss the defense of Oladipo off the bench. But they've got this, this like mental toughness and this ability to adjust. And a coach who's very, you know, uh, in tune with what they can and cannot do, knows the limitations, is showing the experience. You know, he's been in seven conference finals. He's won two championships. Uh, he's been in, in several finals in the NBA. So, like, he knows what's going on. He also has, you know, basically the same infrastructure around him since the day that he, you know, stepped foot on their Heat campus. Uh, Pat Riley's been there 28 years. The message is clear. They get the same kind of player. They look for the same kind of attributes. And so when he says we're going to make this switch, everybody's on board. Like, it's, they don't let go of the rope. They're all holding the rope, and they're pulling in the same direction. And, and, and yeah, they don't have a, a, a team of flamboyant, you know, uh, uh, superstars, although there's a case to be made that, that clearly they got one of the top ten players in the league right now in Butler and one of the top five playoff players and maybe the best overall playoff player in what Butler has done. Uh, he's been phenomenal, but this is when he always shines. Now will the rest of the team follow? And they do. They, they want to be led, and they have been led, and they've scrapped around to make their bones in the NBA. you got a 37-year-old Kyle Lowry who they, they purposely shelved during the season, missed a third of the year, resting a bad knee, and he's come in and been wonderful for them. So they've got, they've got every level covered. They've got defense on their mind, uh, which they've always done that. Uh, they were the lowest-scoring team in the NBA, but suddenly in the playoffs they have hit their stride and they're playing their best basketball, clearly playing the best offensive basketball of the year. Sure are. Tonight, TNT, 8.30 Eastern time. Kevin Harlan and crew on the call. Heat and Celtics game two. You're always super generous with your time, Kev. Thank you so much for doing so. If I don't talk to you before Father's Day, have a wonderful, happy Dad's Day. And I always appreciate our conversations. Aren't you kind to ask me on? Thank you. Always, always enjoy visiting, DA. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks so much. Kevin Harlan joining us this morning on the show again tonight. Game two, the NBA on TNT. Last hour, Mraz delivered Canadian bacon. He got a four. He believes it was his best effort ever and delivered a five and that we just didn't see it. And so I said, look, maybe I'm wrong. Mraz really blew a gasket on that one. That maybe we were completely unfair. So if you thought it was a five and that Mraz was right, I asked you guys to, to tweet in at DA on CBS and let me know what you think. And it seems, seems that most people thought it was good, but not his best. Okay, so let me just read through a few tweets here from you guys. Jeff C. in the D. says that wasn't even close to Mraz's best Canadian bacon ever. Also, we had Kristen in Buffalo say, I've walked around my house saying, Anthony declared a one nothing goal. And, baby, you can drive my camera car. None of the recent Mraz Bacons have had those moments. Bring back that type of writing. Oh, Clinton tweets, a better song would have been seven, as in Stefan Nation Army, just saying, four oinks was a solid grade. Hmm. That would have been lazy and too easy. Hmm. Unpipe this, says Mraz, you're just being a big baby this morning, aren't you? One too many oopsies 
What is up with Mraz putting everyone down and talking bleat when he gets mad? What a pathetic human being. Not a five-oinker today. Take a lap. Mr. McCoy says not the best Canadian bacon because it was a boring hockey game. The post-bacon critique was more entertaining, Mraz, although you're still my guy. Huh. Lukewarm churro, very solid bacon, but probably not his best. I would give it a four and a half. Dixie Landan, not Mraz's greatest ever, but it was top three for sure. I would have given it four and a half, but the song heard it. Overall, great bacon, just short of a five. We have to calm Mraz down. He's about to have his first heart attack. How do you know? Jeremy tweets, I wouldn't say his best bacon ever, but one of the better bacons he's done this year. Hashtag pork butt. Starship Kodiak says Mraz had a solid bacon today. Four oinks is right on. Learn and grow. Learn and grow. Well, Pete gave me three oinks, first of all. No, a four. You got a four. Did you? Yeah. It's a four oinker. Ah. Oh, if you paid attention, then you would know. Kenneth says, I'm with Mraz on this one. Song is Kerncraft 400 off of the Kerncraft 400 LP by Zombie Nation. Not sure if that means he thought that he deserved five oinks or just he was right about the song name. Jerry at Comics Crossing says, I thought the oinks didn't matter, Mraz. Stop trying to be Pat Boyle. Hashtag oink the clown. Michael tweets, to be 100% honest, I was surprised that Bacon even got three oinks. All inside jokes are nobody that nobody knows are not fun. I don't think they were inside jokes. There was literally not one inside joke, so try again. Portland Penguin Skulls tweets, Mraz was lucky to get four oinks. Cowboy Sooner says, I wouldn't have even given him two. King Curtis says, what the hell? Half of four seems fair today. Canadian Bacon. But Black Rose says, Mraz, that's a six oinker. You're the best. Great job. Ignore the haters. Special stuff. The fat journalist, and that's an amazing Twitter handle. The fat journalist, <laughs> as a whole, I think last year's Bacons were the peak, and it's going to be difficult to get back to that level. Today's was a 375 in my book. Well, everybody's an oink expert. It's amazing. Well, so the three of us here in the studio thought four was accurate. You thought that you were robbed and deserved five, and that was your best. Canadian bacon ever. Yeah, so as I did said, Black Rose, Tommy Topsman, and Citrus Thorn. They all thought five at least. But then the 400 others that didn't. So then I opened it up to the audience on Twitter, and I just read probably 12 tweets, and 10 of them said either it was right on the money or a little generous. So do you feel like you'd like to walk back that it was no. your best your best bacon ever? No, because, again, you guys have polluted the water against me, and I know from doing my work and pouring it in I'm sorry. This checks every box. This is classic moving to the goalposts. I don't know if you guys were trying to create some radio here by not giving me five. Maybe you guys pre-conspired. I don't know. I don't see how you could believe that if most of the audience agrees with us. Because most of the audience doesn't even know what five oinks is anymore. It's so far skewed because we've gone so far down a path that I almost don't blame them. I feel very sad and sorry for them that they don't know what takes five oinks anymore. And it's fine. It's fine. Again, I've told the audience this. 
If you believe it was a five, it was a five. And that's what I am believing. I am driving, starting my car, a little push start today. The center makes the right onto the Williamsburg Bridge. I know I'm leaving here with a five oinker. If everybody chooses to believe Pete scored, that's fine. You're going to drive around today saying Mraz got a four oinker. And we're just not going to agree on this today. So I, I got my second five oinker, and I'm proud of it. So Tommy Thompson believes it was a your best Canadian bacon ever. Yeah, and he did tweet this at you, so you didn't read it. The Canadian bacon was Hall of Fame performance, five winks all day. You don't know genius. Mraz told us it was a five. Don't you get it? Pure gold. He works on a higher level. I think it's a little sarcastic. Yeah, that feels sarcastic. <laughs> no, he's telling you what I've been saying. Feel, That's a little sarcastic. I think it feels at least a tad facetious <laughs> there. Again, I'm not going to read that. Read that tweet from Tommy again. Okay, at DA on CBS, that Canadian bacon was HOF performance, which stands for Hall of Fame. Two exclamation points! Five oinks all day. Two more exclamation points! You don't know genius. Period. At Mraz, CBS told us it was a five. Don't you get it? Exclamation point! Pure gold. Period. He works on a higher level. Yeah, the don't you get it and works on a higher level no, no, indicates no. a little sar- yeah, feels a little no, See, this is what I mean. You guys are reading things the wrong way, interpreting things the wrong way. Okay, so he gave the you last five. time I give you guys a Ferris Bueller day joke. So he gave you a five. Uh, twelve other people that didn't. Again, they, they don't. They don't matter. Those twelve people can go home today and say Mariah's got four four oinkers. I'm not going home and saying that. I'm going home and I got five oinkers. It's my reality. Then we shouldn't even do the oinks. <laughs> If it doesn't matter, right, D, right, you know, DA, if it doesn't matter, we shouldn't do it then. If he's going to give himself his own grade, maybe he should give himself his own grade. Well, that's it. No, but I think that's a grade for some of the audience to no, agree with, it, and then I tell them my grade, and then they choose to agree. You're not going to listen to the oinks, and then don't do the oinks. Well, maybe we should have the oinks in the hands of somebody else. It sounds like Pete is tired of getting blowback about the oinks. But he's done a good job all year. No, no. I'm Can't not deal doing one this. day of blowback? I'm not doing this every day where you come in and you, you backhand compliment me and you get it's sarcastic and you get sarcastic and you get mad. Yes. No, no, guys. Can I just take I, you back, please? No, I am. I am not doing the oinks as not, of right now. A month and a half of this. No, nope. there were times where he graded me low. And you said, Mraz, I'm surprised you didn't argue with that one more. Stop opening your mouth. And what did I say? I said, there will be other times down the road to play that card when it is more deserving. I think Pete has a hard job in front of him. I've said this for a month and a half. This is the time I've pulled out the reverse card on Uno when I'm slapping it down. I'm slapping it down. I waited for a month and a half to slap it down. This score was not right. This is why I didn't argue. You tell me I've argued for a month. And if I haven't, yes, you I have. quite literally oh. have not. I even said I didn't even care about oinks. You guys can't tell me I've argued when I did the opposite for a month and a half. Okay, you don't care about oinks. We're going to give it to somebody else. DA, let's give it, let's have a celebrity every day do the oinks. I think that's a good thing. I think, the, I think the listeners will love that. Okay, food for thought here. All food for thought. When we come back on the show, is the A's plan to head to Vegas, eroding by the day. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I would get the tender crisp chicken sandwich. I would take a side of onion rings, and I would then open up the top of the bun and put the onion rings on the sandwich. Talk about your way. Yeah, leaving a few onion rings on the side to dip in. I would also make sure I'd have french fries because I like eating onion rings and french fries at the same time with the same bites. And then I would follow follow it up with a nut. I have to have the long chicken sandwich when I go. And I top it over their vanilla milkshake, which for some reason at Burger King also tends to be a little thicker than what you would get at a McDonald's. And I think they got a thick shake situation there. So fries, onion rings, long chicken sandwich, tender crisp, and milkshake. DA on CBS Sports Radio. All right. And a happy Friday morning to you, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us. Another wonderful week here aboard the Mothership. To Target Demo Friday, so get them in. When you see the Target Demo Friday meme of me as travel guide, Bob from Bob's Bar, manning his bar at the tip of Long Island, Mraz as Mr. Low T, low T count, and Chonkasaurus, the chubby turtle from this week's Done to a News, plus Schwartz and Wembeyama. You know to let us know where you are, how you're listening, and whether Frank's is an acceptable term for hot dogs. Another twist in the Oakland A's relocation saga. A story yesterday cites a big disconnect between the public money the A's need and or want and what the state and county are willing to do. From the Nevada Independent, a report yesterday that so far lawmakers are only willing to contribute up to 195 million bucks for construction of the ballpark. 195 million bucks. Now note that the A's originally wanted 500 million dollars. Then it dropped to 395. Now it's at 195 at the moment. And they want to build a $1.5 billion stadium. Now this is an organization that is claiming we got no fans, we got no stadium, we got no money to compete. And if all they get is $200 million from Nevada to build a $1.5 billion ballpark, that means the A's themselves need to come up with $1.3 bill for a ballpark. Does this sound likely to you? There is another $200 million that the A's are seeking from the state and the county combined. But there has been no legislation, no bill introduced 
to get there yet. And the clock is ticking under two weeks to introduce this bill. There would have to be an emergency session. And that's a pretty heavy lift for the state. And the thing in Nevada is they got things done for the Golden Knights. They spent a lot of money building a Legion Stadium for the Raiders. And I don't know if there's this overwhelming drumbeat to bring baseball to Vegas if it costs more hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money. So who knows what Nevada will ultimately do? I can't pretend to know or predict what lawmakers there will do, what the county will decide, what the state will decide. Maybe they'll come up with that cash. But what I circle here in the story is that part of the issue is that John Fisher and the A's have been flippant, have been flip-flopping, have been erratic and inconsistent in their project proposals, their strategies to get to the finish line of relocation and building a stadium. This is their second binding agreement in a little over a month with two different sites, and the second site flipped within the site. It is just not a sound ownership. It has no direction. And you have to remember where John Fisher got his money. He didn't earn this money. He wasn't a great businessman. John Fisher didn't do anything great or grand to land the A's. He didn't do anything in business. Mom and dad created the gap, gave him the, the company and the billions. And so he bought for 180 million bucks the A's. And now he's gotten nowhere in getting a new stadium built in California. And it looks like he's spinning his wheels in Nevada as well. And to me, you just follow the trail of what he hasn't been able to get done and the people he's employed to get it done that have been unable to get it done. And if you follow that trail, you see an ownership group that is, it is not focused, it is not pointed, it is not grounded. And because of it, you've got people that don't know how much business they want to do and how many favors they want to do for this guy. I know there are people in Vegas that would love to see baseball. I know there's plenty of people in Oakland that would love to keep baseball. And there's one solution here. Get rid of the cancer. That's John Fisher. If baseball forces John Fisher to sell the team to, say, Joe Lacob, the owner of the Warriors, who has an open bid on the A's to keep them in the Bay Area, you have an excellent owner who has proven to do all the right things or employ the right people to get things done like a new arena, build a winner. He's proven, again, the track record that he can do this. You force Fisher to, to give it to Lakeup, to sell to Lakeup, and Fisher makes his billion dollars of profit. Now you have a reasonably successful, overwhelmingly successful, and grounded owner in the Bay Area to get that done. That checks that box. And then 
the ownership group that goes to Vegas with an expansion team is also one that's far more trustworthy than this one, is one that taxpayers, county lawmakers, state legislators would say, well, okay, you've got a plan, and we can trust doing business with you, and we see your strategy and your vision. The issue is both sides are looking at John Fisher and the front office and the ownership group of, of the A's going, you guys are a clown show. They're just, there is nothing grounded or steady or consistent. And so everybody is kind of getting, they're getting weak need or they're getting skeptical of what the investment of the A's is going to be in the project. The A's just want handouts. They want all the money that you can give them. They want all the favors. And you've got to trust that then they'll do right by you after the favors. And nobody is given an inch on that. And there's the issue that if you want to right the ship here, you've got to get rid of Fisher. You have to. That's the solution. And I don't blame Nevada at all for getting cold feet on how much are we going to give this guy? How much are we going to give this organization? Because, you know, it's just a guy, it's it's a butterfly floating from here to there to here to there. And I would argue, not in good faith. Standing by, final headlines of the morning, Greg Caserta. So just building off of what you were talking about with the A's, started doing a little Google searching, and this was from an article last June where an anonymous MLB owner said that the idea of revenue sharing is not to make money, it's to field a competitive team. That money is supposed to go towards players' salaries. Instead, the A's took the money and put it in their pocket. No doubt. Now, if you look a little bit further, Forbes came out with an article saying that Oakland's revenue last year was $212 million, dead last in all of baseball. Their profit was only $29 million, which ranks 16th out of the 30 MLB teams. So it's you look at the books, and we always say, well, we don't get the figures, we don't see how much they're actually making, but you get a pretty good idea of how much is going in. They're spending almost nothing, and they're taking all of the revenue money. And so, yeah, they're crooks. They're total crooks. John, John Fisher's crook is a crook and should be forced to sell. You could just keep going on him, by the way, because every time you talk about him, tweet about him, I always enjoy it because he really is <laughs> he's just de he's, deplorable. Yeah. Deplorable. So, D.A., we'll see if the Western Conference Finals opener lives up to the hype from last night. The Panthers prevailed 3-2 in Carolina, getting a goal from Matthew Kachuk to end the sixth longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history. It came late in the fourth overtime. That makes Florida 5-0 in OT this postseason after winning two against the Maple Leafs and two more against the Bruins in games five and seven of the opening round. Tonight, the Stars visit Las Vegas, and Pete DeBoer knows it's going to be a raucous crowd. We got through that stuff uh during the year and for me you know this is a, a a road building one of the toughest in the league as we all know and uh our, our guys have to be prepared to handle the the momentum swings that come with playing in this building wow he didn't bore us with the details yes your final hour puns are they're getting worse and worse and i it's love not it funny. <laughs> keep it up Mraz. i love you 
So uh, Golden Knights head coach Bruce Cassidy said they're ready for a fresh start, but that the Stars are similar to last round's opponent, the Oilers. So game one in that series tonight. The Lakers lost back-to-back games for the first time this postseason. They fell victim to the Nuggets, 108-103 in game two of the Western Conference Finals. Again, the Lakers seem to only go as far as Anthony Davis. He did finish with 18 points and 14 rebounds, but only hit on four field goals. Like all the looks that I got today, um, just a lot of them just, uh, short. Um, I'm going to continue to shoot those shots. Uh, like I said, i got to be better, more efficient, um, help the team win. So uh, I'll be better. The Lakers return home this weekend without having lost the game in Los Angeles during the playoffs. You've got the Eastern Conference final game two tonight. Eric Spolstra hoping the Heat to take, hoping the Heat go up 2-0 in Boston at 8:30 Eastern. And then to football, Aaron Rodgers sat down for his first all-access interview as a member of the Jets. Oh, I can't say I haven't been dreaming about this. You know, once I realized this was not just a probability, but an almost certainty, you start to take your mind to all the different things that uh, a new place has to offer the first time you walk in the building, the first time you walk past the trophy, the first time uh, you meet some of the guys, the first time you walk into the locker room, first time you sit down for an interview. Um, deep down, a lot of excitement, a lot of gratitude, not just for the journey of 18 years in Green Bay, but for the opportunity now to continue playing and, and play for an iconic franchise again. He's on his talking points. It's always about gratitude, always about thanking Green Bay. But the Is only he thing I stop talking. It's May enough. <laughs> it's the, only May. The only thing I disagreed with was calling the Jets a storied franchise. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. that's it's there's nothing it. storied about them. It's very they're old. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things are old. Doesn't make them great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like come on. So there, there's that, and then we also had something from Tom Brady, who sat oh. down with rookie quarterbacks yesterday. At a lunch that was held by the memorabilia company Fanatics, he sat down with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. Right, going in the second round, in the end, that's not real that big of a deal. Going first overall, in the end, it's not a big deal. Right, it's great. You got opportunity. You're probably going to be paid more than anyone for a time period. But I was I was drafted, you know, 199. I just outlasted everybody. There's another me back there. Right? So how do I keep my edge on everybody? Nice. I had to I had to keep working. I didn't go, hey, I'm good. Right? I won three Super Bowls. Oh. I'm good. Nice. I can't wait to hear him call an NFL game. It's gonna be riveting. <laughs> For thirty seven point five million. He's the only guy that as he gets older, his voice gets higher. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> Could be the HGH changing the hormones a little bit. Interesting. Uh, Stetson Bennett wasn't invited to that. The Rams told us he's great. Yeah. Oh, I love Stetson Bennett. And uh, one last thing before I get out of here. Antonio Brown is a psychopath. He told WNYT in Albany, New York, that he plans to play in an upcoming Albany Empire game before the end of the month. Now, Brown has denied that he owns the team after reports of mispayments. He's denied it. After reports of missed payments and overall dysfunction within the organization. A few weeks ago, Brown's reps released documents stating that the team is owned by Antonio L. Ala Express Trust Enterprises, with Brown claiming in a statement that he's a foreign national who was not born in the United wow. States. Wow. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk has Ooh, the details on boy. that one. Oh, that's ugly. And it's like... That's ugly. Antonio Brown is now officially off off the deep end. Off the reservation. Yeah. 
Oof. Yikes. Thank you, Caserta. When we come back, Target Demo Friday, DA, CBS Sports Radio. It's a Friday fiesta. Here's what our listeners in the Target Demo are up to. Mayo is in Tacoma on Odyssey. Come on, Wiener, the only acceptable name for a hot dog. No one is calling it Franks anymore. Hashtag unpipe it. Unpipe it. Lee is listening on Twitch in Baltimore. Had surgery for my torn Achilles and was feeling a bit down. But hearing you guys in the morning brings my spirits up. Helps take my mind off. And appreciate you guys. Hashtag can I get a Bebo? AJ's. She's house She's soaking wet. <laughs> shake it like a soul shaker. Stop on the beach, shorty. AJ is also listening on Odyssey in Baltimore. Fan on fan crime is on called for, but you got to ban Zach Hampel. I'm throwing a free community event this Saturday at Eager Park in Baltimore to celebrate clinical trials days. The aliens are welcome. Oriole Bird will be there. Hashtag Target Demo Friday. Can you look at yourself in the mirror? Robert is listening in Pontiac, Michigan, WTRX 1330. It's Coney Dogs in these parts. Target Demo Friday. The mothership disconnects. Moose is in Wisco. Catch the podcast later on. Starting the day off by busting out the waffle maker. I've never called a hot dog a Frank in my life. Hashtag, you need to eat like this. You need to eat like this. Well, I was just a baby. Incognito Man says, Happy Friday, a listing on Sirius XM from Southern Wisconsin. Frank is okay for a hot dog, I think. I'm okay with Pete the Body Control and the soundboard as well. Hashtag Morty D'Souza. Hashtag Goose. Tonight, everything tonight. Goose. Everything tonight. Goose. And what you know. Big Lauer is listening in Twin Falls, Idaho on Twitch. No one should say Franks. Thanks to Mraz. Great bacon. Thanks for the shout out. My daughter loves it when he says, little kid listening in. She said, dad, he did say that to me today. Thanks for doing that. Hashtag power, power. Giannis Underumbo. Wow. Wow, that's that's not going to help us here. Ha. Huh. Giant has Awokens in Boise on Odyssey. Simply put, hot dog and or Frank. Completely acceptable. Not acceptable? Dong to the face. Hashtag get a taste. <laughs> Derek, get a taste. Derek in Pittsburgh. Eat listening it. on Apple Music. I got a fishing tournament this weekend. Going to eat a few Franks over a campfire. Hopefully I can make it to Bob's Bar this year. Have a good weekend. Hashtag, yeah. And <laughs> Steven in South Carolina is watching on YouTube in Myrtle Beach. Frank is not okay. It's only supposed to be called a hot dog. Yeah. All right, what do we decide on your epic fail this morning? It's me fighting with Pete and Caserto for my oinks. That was a good one. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. I do this all the time when we play instrumentals. <laughs> you always start late on, 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 on the lyrics. No, I'm letting it kick in a little bit. Because it's it's not, doesn't, doesn't, you're hitting not, the post. Hold on. No, doing. no, no, no. Now, I'm not going to stand for this now. All right. Whatever. He just got done saying he didn't know if they even sang the word. None of you knew that. Stefan. Stefan, 
Stefan Nation. So now you know that I started late. No, but oh, which is just... it? I'm done. I'm just gonna tell you guys. I appreciate the four grade. I'm grading myself as a five on this. So anybody scoring at home, You're know, that I, got, mind. know that right. I got a five winker. No. And the Panthers would get to lace up a new pair of Kachucks. So just so you know, if you're driving at home, you can elect to choose to listen to Pete's score. I'm telling you, I got a five. So we're supposed to know all the songs on your gym playlist. Is that the... Guys, right? I didn't pick this obscure song. I mean, this was a major stadium anthem for years. It, now you're lashing out because you did it, in your estimation, the way that we no, want. No, no, no. Stefan, Stefan, Stefan Nation. This literally checked every single box of what Canadian bacon should be, and it still wasn't good enough for you people. So you know what? Let's get lit! Enjoy your weekend. You know what part of your problem is? Is that well, what's part of my problem? You're you going through short, an identity you crisis. You dopey Dave Matthews. What's part of my problem? You're going through an identity crisis where you don't know who identity you crisis. Are. You're dressed like a 13 year old boy today. I look great. You don't like my brown shorts, but I've been told I look great in them. You look like a kid that should get hit in the face with a kickball at wreck today. Well, you Instead, know you're what? doing updates nationally. You clown. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Got so ugly. So ugly. Lukewarm Churro is listening in Boise on 95.3. Going to be celebrating all of the family's graduations this weekend while watching the playoffs. Frank is acceptable for hot dog. Food is family. Monty says, you know when you have that drunk friend who tells the same tired-ass stories over and over and over? That's what Mraz's bacon singing clips have started to become. We don't need to hear them for 90 seconds on loop. I mean, come on. Hashtag Target Demo Friday. Ouch. Soggy Fruit Loops, for as much as you guys trash Mraz for his bacons, you do use a lot of his drops and phrases. How many drops does Boyle have? Don't get me wrong, but are his mm. bacons memorable? Hashtag True King of Oinks. Oh. And Dan in Mechanicsburg says, Happy Friday, eh? Caught the first hour of 96.5 here. Rest on Amazon Music later. You can call it a glizzy which I never heard until I heard Mraz say it. You can't call it Frank. And my jerseys are lined up, ready to go for Bob's Bar. And I don't want to miss a thing. And I don't want to miss. All right, thanks to Sean Mraz, Pete the Body Bellotti, Andrew Kaplan, and Greg Caserta this morning. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you on Monday. The Mothership disconnects. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 